Well, thank you again for joining me on this edition of the Freed Way Thinker, the shorter version of the Freed Thinker podcast. As always, I'm your chauffeur, Tyler Vela. Um, I'm gonna. I apologize in advance for what may be a little bit of a rambly episode. I have to admit <clears throat> that this one is a, a little bit more off the cuff than even my regular off the cuff um, because I've been in some conversations this morning before heading out to work that sparked me to want to help people disambiguate or think a little bit more clearly about a couple of different concepts. I honestly, I don't have a single thesis or argument or direction that I'm going in. What I'm finding is that there are some concepts that people, uh, believers and unbelievers, tend to confuse or conflate or um, just fail to um, grasp the meaning of. And I wanted to just run through a few of these concepts that are uh, tend to be lumped into the same category, same kind of moral category. Um, and these are issues of uh, morality, righteousness, and then pure and impure, or clean and unclean. Um, and I wanted to uh, just kind of walk through these a little bit. I'm actually going to go uh, in, a, in a backwards direction um, from what I just listed. So let's start with, with pure and impure, clean and unclean. Um, if something it, in the Old Testament law, something being pure or impure or clean or unclean was a ceremonial category, it's not necessarily a moral category. Now, being immoral, murdering someone, committing adultery, for example, um, make you unclean. Right? You, you are now ceremonially unclean because, uh, because you have sinned, you are stained. Right? So you are unclean. But not all unclean or impure things are immoral, right? So all immoral things are impure and clean, and all, but not all unclean and pure things are immoral. Right? All, all A's are B's, but not all B's are A's. <clears throat> uh, being unclean or impure, being a ceremonial category, um, could come about by a bunch of random different things, right? Touching a dead body, having sex. Um, going into uh, a land that had not been purified. For example, the Jews thought going through the land of Samaria at a given time um, was uh, would make one unclean and you would have to go through a purification ritual. Right? There, there, there are a whole host of things um, that would make someone impure or unclean, which means they had to go through ceremonial washing, they had to go through cleansing before they could enter into the tabernacle or into the temple and engage in the worship of Yahweh. Um, now, uh, I'm not necessarily going to, again, for the atheists listening, I'm not trying to defend this. I'm not trying to say it's true. I'm just trying to help us understand categorically what these things are. So we shouldn't read laws talking about clean and unclean and think that, for example, uh, a man having sex with his wife was you know, immoral because it said that he was unclean afterwards and he would have to go through purification for a given time uh, before he could enter and worship. A lot of atheists would be like, oh, see, the Bible's against sex. It says you're, it says you're immoral when you do it and you have to go through purification. Because they're thinking that impure and unclean is a moral category, but it's not. Right? It could be. So imagine a husband had sex with his wife, is ceremonially unclean, disregarded the law about going through purification before going into worship, and just flippantly goes into worship with a high hand to God. That is what makes it uh, un unrighteous. 
right? That is what could bring condemnation. Uh, but it's not that having sex with his wife is what brings him condemnation. It's what makes him unclean. And there, there's a couple different uh, reasons for this, right? There's a couple different thoughts about this. Um, you know, specifically for the ones like sleeping with your spouse or touching a dead body, there there seems to be cultic reasons for this, right? So if if having sex made you ceremonially unclean, then what type of worship was impermissible as a worship of Yahweh? Well, sex cults. You couldn't have something like temple prostitution. You couldn't have sex orgies. You couldn't you couldn't have cultic orgies as a type of worship of Yahweh, right? Uh, sex being something that makes someone impure or unclean was precisely the thing that would keep out cultic sex practices from the worship of Yahweh. It was a protector of uh, of of the pure worship of God, right? Because you couldn't you if if you had sex in the temple as an act of worship, you would actually be defiling yourself and defiling the temple, right? Even if it wasn't with a prostitute, which adds a whole different level of immorality, but even if it, even if it was with your spouse, you couldn't do it. It's not part of what the temple worship was there for, right? So, so it was a protector of Israel's worship from those types of cultic practices. What about touching a dead body? Right? Touching a dead body. Well, is it immoral to touch a dead body? Well, no. In, in those days, if a family member passed away, you had to touch them to move them and bury them, prepare the body, right? All that kind of stuff. You would just have to go through the cleansing rituals before you came into the worship of Yahweh. Well, if touching a dead body makes you unclean, what type of, of worship couldn't they do? Right? Well, they, they couldn't engage in human sacrifice, right? It, it protected them from those types of cultic sacrificial rituals um, from entering into, uh, in, entering into the worship life of Israel. And so there's the, there are some of those reasons. Now there are other things that would make would make you uh, unclean and impermissible, and that was in, in disobeying some of the other laws, right? You couldn't eat certain foods, right? You couldn't you couldn't eat um, uh, shellfish, for example. It would make you unclean. Well, um, uh, is, is there something intrinsically immoral about enjoying lobster with drawn butter? Mm, I hope not. Uh, in Christ, that's permissible for me to do. Um, so there's there, there's nothing immoral about it. Otherwise, it would still be immoral, right? Because we, we, we say that the moral law is still rooted in the nature of God. But these these civil or ceremonial laws, there's nothing intrinsically immoral. They're, they're simply the stipulations that God set up as a way to, uh, to standardize worship, as a way to protect worship, as a way to identify Israel as apart from the other nations. There's nothing intrinsically immoral, but why couldn't they wear a fabric of mixed cloth? Well, because they would they would then stand out uh, as Israelites from the other nations. They would be identifiable. Uh, when someone asked them, well, why don't you wear these clothes? They would have to talk about their God, right? So, so you have all these things. It doesn't make them immoral. So that's that's impurity, purity, um, uh, clean, unclean, so far, right? So, so something being unclean is not the same thing as saying it's immoral. Something being impure is not the same thing as saying it's immoral. We... We kind of now in our language, in our parlance, we have taken that and there's there's a use of the term impure and unclean where we actually mean it in a moral sense. But in the Bible, it's not necessarily in the moral sense. These ceremonial uses of pure, impure, clean and unclean are not necessarily the same as 
moral and immoral. Uh, the next two are righteous and unrighteous, um, and moral and immoral. Right? They're they're uh, everything. Um, uh, we we sometimes think, well, what does it mean to say that my my most my my best actions are like unclean rags, are like filthy rags? Right? It's like it's like saying that they are they are menstrual rag. Use menstrual rags is 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 the idea behind it. Um, they they are they are un, they are unsanitary. My my best things are some of the you know of, of the, the the hygienically filthiest things, right? Um, you know, uh, Leighton Flowers in, in a recent episode has has tried to to shift the meaning of this. He's tried to say, well, it's not it's it's not that apart from Christ, uh, my best my best uh, actions are are somehow unrighteous. It's it's that they're it's that they're not enough. Right? They don't. They don't fill up the gap. I'm driving, so I can't read the exact quote here. Um, but but the problem here is, well, then he's just changed it from well, the, the rags. It's not that the rags are unclean. It's that the rags are insufficient. Right? It's it's not that my best my best actions are filthy. It's that my best actions are insufficient to clean up the mess that I've made. Um, which which is just to change what the the metaphor that the scriptural metaphor is. Right. Well, no. The, the scriptural metaphor is that my the things that I think are the cleanest uh, in relation to God are still filthy. They 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 are still they are still unable. They they are still unrighteous. They are stained by sin. Right. They are still filthy menstrual rags. My my cleanest my best actions are still unrighteous. Right. They they cannot earn me or bring me one step closer to God. Right. That is how far removed my sinful condition is apart from Christ uh, from God right it's not that I it's not that um, I just don't have enough good works right I mean by the way that's just Pelagianism I I know he thinks it's a boogeyman but that literally just is Pelagianism thankfully it's not sinless perfectionism right he still thinks well I I can't do enough there's no way I there's no way I can be perfect you know in 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 my I, I have so much sin right he's he still is gonna say quantitatively uh, my my good works are a, a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of my sinful actions, right? Uh, you know, praise God for His blessed inconsistency, um, because because He's still willing to affirm that we are so sinful that uh, that that you know our our good works are are, are but nothing um, in comparison to to our to our unrighteousness, and we still need the the you know uh, the blood of Jesus Christ and the righteousness. You know, we 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 praise God that He that He still maintains that. Um, but the, the but the point is is that when 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 we're told that our that our best our best deeds our most righteous deeds are but filthy rags, right? It's that they're filthy. It's not that they're not enough, right? Um, so um, that that has to do with our unrighteousness. There's nothing that we can do. We are our works are unrighteous before God. They, they are, they are not perfect. They are stained by sin. Uh, I, I do I, everything I do. I do with mixed motives. I don't, I don't do it with all my heart, all my strength, all my mind in perfect obedience to God and to his law. Right. And, and if, and if there's one single iota, one atom, one, one molecule, one quark, one, you know, you know one, how, however, however, whatever, uh, you know, physical picture you want to give for that, um, if there's if there's one teensy tiny itty bitty aspect of my act 
um, that that is that is uh, that is not uh, perfect in righteousness, then it's unrighteous. Then it's disobedience, right? Then then it is sin. There is one drop of arsenic in the drink, and it is still it is still uh, deadly. It is still deadly fatal. Uh, right. So so um, that that is unrighteous and righteous, and we are only righteous in Christ. We have Christ's righteousness imputed to us, reckoned to us. It is our our unrighteousness is exchanged for His righteousness. It is not. We are not Mormons. It is not that Christ's righteousness fills up after we do everything we can do. Right. That that's Pelagianism. That's Mormonism. It, it is not that we go. You know, point zero zero five percent of the way, uh, and Jesus and Jesus goes. You know, ninety nine point nine nine five percent of the way right even if it's that even if that that's disparate it is not that christ finishes after we have done all that we can do right we have zero percent we we add we contribute nothing to our salvation we do not merit it we do not earn it we do not uh, add any any bit of ounce of righteousness to it right we are we are unrighteous before god because everything is stained by sin. That is righteousness and unrighteousness. Now, the the common rejoinder then comes, well, that's clearly false because we do all kinds of good things, right? We help our neighbors across the street. We tell the truth. We stay married. We love our children, right? We we do all kinds of acts of charity, right? It's clearly not true that everything we do is unrighteous, is, is, is bad, right? We do all kinds of good things. Okay, here, there's a conflation that just happened. Uh, the reformers, um, and, and to be honest, I, I, I don't know if this was a, a category existing prior to the reformers. I have a hunch um, that this probably is a category that, that also came um, from, from Aquinas. That's if I had to guess, right? So I'm not attributing this to the reformers. I'm saying this is where I've read it from. Um, so please don't come and say, oh, you know, you're historically naive. This category existed before that. I don't know the the origin of this of this concept uh, or of this delineation of concepts. Uh, I'm just saying that the reformers possess this category, and it's where I've read it from. Um, they had a category called civic virtue. Civic virtue. We hear civic, and we think political virtue. We think you know, kind of um, uh, voting, right? We're 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 protecting human rights and voting. We 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 do our civic duty. Right? That's not what they meant when they said civic duty. Right? Um, you could also say your 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 uh, your public virtue. Um, that's also not right because we now when we say public, we think of public out in the open. Um, what it means, what civic virtue or public virtue means, uh, is is the horizontal aspect of morality. Right? It's it's what we owe to each other. Right. Um, I I can have civic virtue. I can do things that are good with respect to my fellow man. Right. I I can protect the orphan and the widow. I can give alms. I can give charity. I can love my children. Um, Right. I can I can I can do all of these things that are civically virtuous. Um, that you know, again, civic, not not necessarily political, civic, you know, within within regards to civilization, within regards to humanity, within regards to people, right? I, I can do I can do morally good things um, with regard to my fellow man, um, right? I, I can do all these kind of things, right? 
So, so it's not the case when someone says, oh, well, my best actions are, are but filthy rags that they're saying, well, you can't even do anything good in the civic sense. So you, you're just, you're just as bad as you can be. That's not what they're saying. That is, that is a conflation and, and a failure to disambiguate these concepts, right? So, so, uh, but even in my civic virtue, even when I love my children, right, I do not always love them the best that I could, right? And any singular instance of loving my children um, is still not entirely to the glory of God while, while loving him with all my soul, you know, mind, soul, strength. Uh, I, I, I'm not even loving my children with all my mind, soul, strength um, at, at all times, right? So even even my, my best, most civic virtue uh, actions are not righteous before God. They are still stained by sin because I am still uh, a sinner um, uh, acting out of, uh, of mixed motives and, and, and um, deleterious motives. Right. So those are those are just some categories that I wanted to just clarify and get on the table because a lot of people confuse the three when we're having a conversation or when people are reading the Bible or when they're when they're um, exploring these things they'll they'll read impure and they'll and they'll think immoral or they'll think unrighteous um, or they'll or they'll hear unrighteous and they'll and they'll kick back against it because they'll think oh well that's not true we can do good things look at all these good look you know we help the poor we do all these good things. Right? And they'll make all these confusions. So we need to keep those those categories distinct from each other. And again, that doesn't mean there isn't bleed through, right? Again, the act of adultery is immoral in a civic virtue, is unrighteous before God, and it makes me impure, right? So it's not that there is zero overlap between them, right? But they are they are distinguishable concepts that we need to that we need to uh, make sure that we are uh, clarify that we are keeping clear in our minds and that we're disambiguating. All right. Well, uh, I hope that helps you as you think through the scriptures, as you think through some theological categories and enter into some, some discussions. Thank you again for joining me. God bless and drive safe.